officially, there is no March. Yes. It is official April 1st. Yes. Sorry, guys. We've been screwing up. April Fool's <laughs> Day. We are late. Yep. Uh, by the way, yes. This is the Media Mode Podcast's uh, presentation of... Disney Mania, Disney Mania Tournament of March. If you missed the first bunch of episodes, one, you missed out, and go check out iTunes for the archive. But also, you probably have no idea what this is. Just as brief explanation is, well, it was March, and March means brackets of stuff. We made our own. A tournament of Disney animated classics. Well, classic. I, I, I think classics is a You can call them classics. I can call them Disney's classics. classics. They're mostly classics. Fox and the Hound is on this list, but otherwise, they're mostly classics. Um, so on this list. We've been slowly eliminating one by one these Disney movies to get to a final winner, the best of the best. And in order to do that, we already went through round one, which was story. We have finally arrived at round two, which is my personal favorite round. We're finally going to talk about music. Music and scores. Yes, music and scores. So, if you missed the first bunch, why don't you go over the rules and structure, Mike? All right. So, first uh, rule is, one, you cannot concede or throw the match. No matter how much you want the other person to win, no matter how much you even hate your own category, your own uh, film, you must do, with the best of your ability, argue for your movie. No white flags. Yep. No white flags. No... No stumblings, no, um... Stumblings. No, well, uh, mm, uh... Oh, time's up? Okay. You have to argue. Uh, number two. Winner is determined by our judge, which in this case... <laughs> drum roll, please. New friend in the house. Mr. Adam, come say hi. Nope. <laughs> okay. You said no. <laughs> you will, however, have to give a judgment, so... Yes. And you will, we will force you to explain your reasoning. <laughs> yes. You can't just choose. You have to explain why. Yes. So, essentially, what we're asking you to do is to judge based on our arguments. So, we ask for no personal bias, although I know that that's largely impossible. Um, but we ask to try the best to not reach a biased position and just go based on the strength of our arguments. That's essentially our goal here. So. Yep. And with that, That's how uh, the will be yep. And rule number three is uh, we determine by high card. And for once, I beat Matt three out of four times. Yeah. Which means you'll hear a lot of Matt going first in this round. Cool. I'm okay with this. Uh, and lastly, uh, we have our time limit. So uh, this is round two. We will still each get fifteen minutes fight. We will still each be fifteen minute fights. We will have two minute or opening statements, two minute arguments and rebuttals, two minute closing statements. And any one-minute last remarks. So essentially, timing will start when the person starts talking. That's essentially how that will work. Yep. We yep. will try to make it as clear as possible that we are beginning. <laughs> and that, yep, they'll get your two minutes. Uh, we have our timer over here. We'll tell you when two minutes is up, at which point you should... Say time. ...either be wrapping up or just <laughs> say time. Yeah. Yes. And with that, uh, let's get into our first round. Okay. What do we got? I don't know which direction we're going. Uh, we're going to go down up. Down. So we're going to start with the lowest seed. Fight. The lowest seed. No, okay. no, we're going to go down up. So we're going to go with uh, Wreck-It Ralph versus Frozen. Okay. The first opening fight. And you are defending Wreck-It Ralph here. Yes. I perp- So even though I won this flip, I purposely chose Wreck-It Ralph right. first. 
And oh. I and so thus I have been assigned Frozen. Yes. So here you go. Alright, so you get your two minutes to start off with Frozen. Alright, okay. <clears throat> okay, so Frozen um, ended up being one of the most successful movies in Disney history, and largely because of its score. As well as its soundtrack, its songs. I was trying to think of a better word than songs, and I couldn't think of one. Yeah. Um, but it's it's in in a way it's a return to form after um, after Tangled uh, soundtrack was a little bit more on the pop side of things, even if it did have the structure of a traditional Disney musical. Uh, Frozen returns it to kind of the more the the, the traditional musical setup of okay, what's the intro want song? What's the, the confrontation with villain song? Even though this movie, interestingly enough, doesn't actually assign songs to its villain. And in a way, the villain and the antagonist is almost the anti-want song at the same time, which of course is the Academy Award winning Let It Go. There's complex stuff going on in the way that they set up how the songs, when the songs appear, how the songs appear, and even the songs themselves. Um, also, they're a lot of fun. Uh, so the, uh, Disney brought in uh, Robert Lopez, uh, famous for our co-creating musicals um, Avenue Q and Book of Mormon, as well as his wife. And they co-wrote and composed the songs that are featured in the film. Besides the songs, uh, there's also the, the score, uh, which is uh, kind of brings in some themes of... Um, European music, um, the chanting at the beginning. Um, it's interesting what they what they chose to do, kind of as an inspiration on the on the sides. But the music's a lot of fun. I mean, Let It Go is now probably a Disney classic. It's um, it's it's definitely one of the more memorable songs I think the studio's done in a long time. Awesome. I mean, Adina Menzel uh, getting Adina Menzel in your Disney movie I think is already like half the battle. I mean, it's it's definitely a Fine. fun musical. And. On the flip side of that, we have Wreck-It Ralph, which is itself not a musical, but it is still very much a pop uh, album to listen to on the soundtrack, uh, wherein you have the lead song uh, by Owl City, um, famously, uh, doing because of his electronic voice, because Wreck-It Ralph is in itself an electronic game, and they actually use that game theme in a lot of its score, which... Going back, you can listen to this score and see and automatically know where they pull their elements from. Whether it's from Sugar Rush being very light and poppy and very like K-pop style to Wreck-It Ralph, which is very 8-bit old school to, to even, uh, uh, what was it, Heroes, Heroes Rush? Or the, 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 the one where Ralph gets the medal. The one with Jane Lynch. Yes, the one with Jane Lynch. <laughs> I remember. Yes. <laughs> uh, being very, even even have an industrialistic uh, sounding to it. Um, it's very. Even though it's not a musical, even though it's not a musical, and there are no verses, the the resonance of the score still presents such a um, such a such feeling, such emotion that uh, Henry Jackman, I think, absolutely nailed it uh, when he came in to to do the score. I mean, one of my favorites off the album it, it is um, the Royal Raceway, where everything is, where you can just automatically hear the pop, the sugary, that it's going to be very kid-friendly, 
Although and it even does highlight its sinister undertones by going into a more um, a low bar on the baritones um, and uh, low lower on the scale, which is a smart move, um, to to say the least. Um, I mean, time. <laughs> All right, you get to do your rebuttal. All right, so yeah, this is two minute rebuttal. Uh, the reason why Frozen soundtrack isn't as great as you think, because out of all those songs, only one is worthy of Disney canon, and that is of course Let It Go. Take that out of it. Take that. Take Let It Go out of Frozen, and you have what's considered a mishmash of random songs that mean nothing to each other. You cannot connect uh, Open Door to Summertime. Summertime is by far the worst song. You can't even connect it to the, the final song on that album, uh, which is the, the, the freaking troll song. Uh, what is it? Love, not Love is an Open Door. What is it? Fixer Upper. <laughs> that, the songs that they choose and they throw in there is mean nothing more to the narrative. Outside of Let It Go, which pushes the narrative forward, I'd say the only second one that even comes close is Love is an Open Door. And even that has problems in itself because that because that pushes the narrative of, oh, we just met, oh, you have a good voice, oh, I'm going to fall in love with you, let's get married. Those are the only two songs that even work for this movie. Everything else doesn't work. Uh, building a Snowman doesn't work. It's... <laughs> It's basically Anna whining the whole time. Uh, summertime is just the snowman whining the whole time. Even Let It Go is just Elsa whining the whole time. The whole album is everybody getting their chance to whine at something. Even the trolls whine that Kristoff can't find somebody to uh, marry. The whole album just whine, 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 and nobody ever just stops and sings about... How great everything is. <laughs> Everyone just complains on that album. All you hear is complaint, complaint, complaint. It's it's not what you it's not uh, what you think of Disney. Okay. okay. Alright. Uh, well I will get to that stuff later, but I didn't talk about your movie. So I think yes, what we're what we're seeing here is polar opposites. I think Wreck It Ralph is a very different movie, and of course it needs to be. It's not a musical. That being said, I don't remember anything about the music in Wreck-It Ralph. I know that there's probably a video game, uh, video game theme there, sure, but I don't remember. I, I do remember things about the music in that movie. And also, I think my personal bias against Owl City is probably coloring this as <laughs> yes. well. Uh, but it's just I don't remember enough of the overarching themes. I don't remember enough of the music tone, like coloring the tone of that movie. What I do remember is the Sugar Rush stuff being really grating. I remember just being kind of annoyed by, well, one, that the fact that the movie just stays so long in that place. And the music doesn't help. I think that it's just a reminder of like, well, I don't really like where this thing is. I don't really like where this story goes. And the, and the music is a constant reminder. Like, it's light and poppy, but it doesn't mean much, you know? It's just, it's like, okay, we're in a Mario Kart equivalent. Let's make it sound like a Mario Kart game. 
And I guess you could say it does a good job of sounding like the video games is trying to rip off, but that's just it. It's not anything original. It's just kind of, what would this have to be in order to be believable? As opposed to something like Frozen, which is 100% original, where you have a world being built with the music helping the world being built. I mean, not even talking about the songs. I'm talking just about the score, is it creates a fantasy world. Um, that I think that's, that the record elf doesn't really do. But then you do also have the boon of having the songs there, which makes it a more entertaining, at least to me, experience. Um, well, I think that... Two um, minutes for final. Yeah, that's two minutes. So, I, well, I think that the purpose of that, then record elf score does its purpose for everything that you just said. Because it's supposed to be its own original song. It's supposed to have this reminiscence of a Mario Kart game, of an 8-bit game. It's supposed to remind you of this stuff, okay? Because it's a ripoff, and because it sounds like it, doesn't mean that it's bad. Everything is essentially a ripoff of something else. This is just more of an, it's more of an homage than it is a straight rip, okay? And when you listen to that soundtrack, even watching the movie back, when they first enter, and they first go from Wreck-It Ralph into the, the uh, strip to where you see all the different arcades. Uh, even from Pac-Man, I think it was from Pac-Man into the uh, arcade strip. The sense of wonder in that town, the sense of excitement, the sense of joy that it goes from 8-bit to a full symphony as it transitions is one of the best um, marks that I can give for, this, uh, for the Wreck-It Ralph soundtrack. Um, the fact that it doesn't need that it's a Disney movie that doesn't need to be a musical, that it should uh, earn points for that, it should get, earn uh, merit for it. That that it didn't need that because it didn't need it uh, a musical setting that it was able to tell a better narrative. I know we're not talking about narrative here. <laughs> uh, we're talking about score, but um, you just you just uh, brought up that it didn't help push anything forward. But I'd say that the music does. It gives you the sense of wonder. For 8-bit arcade, the sense of nostalgia, as well as the sense of danger as you get towards the end, and the sense of ominous of of uh, the sugar candy, a uh, sugar rush, uh, especially when dealing with King Candy, that something is amiss because the the score signals that to you. It tells you what to expect, tells you what to feel, and Record Ralph does a great job Fine. of showing it. So. Um... Okay. Um, well, I think what we keep getting at is that there's very different approaches here. Yes. And so what I'm going to use my kind of my final statement time to do is I'm going to talk about the highs of the actual songs because that's something I haven't really didn't have real time to go into at the, at the beginning here. So I think each individual song in Frozen has its reason to exist. Uh, I don't think that none uh, that they're as throwaway as you think they are. Um, I think the the opener one of uh, the even the opener song kind of the setup scenario song, which is how this how the the film opens to the the uh, ice workers, I think that that establishes the overarching theme of the frozen heart. It establishes the world right there, and then you have the how to, uh, 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 do you want to build a snowman, which then sets up Anna and Elsa's relationship. It also sets up the 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 struggle the the conflict. Where Anna needs to wants to so badly to connect with her sister who has sequestered herself away from her and her kingdom, and then you have the 
And then you have the Love is an Open Door, which is kind of a dual dual song because it's both, okay, fun Disney romance song, but it's also that, that hint at, oh, something's going to go wrong with this. With Something's not quite right. It's got a kind of a question mark to it. Then, of course, the, the Snowman's Summertime, which, yes, I will admit, is one of two filler songs in the soundtrack, but it's a fun song, and it's, it gives Josh Gad's character time to, to some screen time. And then you have the, yes, you have the uh, reprise, which makes it automatically uh, uh, important in Disney canon. It actually has a reprise. And then, and of course, Let It Go, uh, which, of course, is, the, is the, the emotional centerpiece, even if it is kind of the anti-lesson. Um, then you, of course, have uh, the, the troll song at the end, which is kind of a way to, like, counter the song at the original uh, the, the original romance song. It's an interesting setup. All right. Uh, let's start one minute now. Uh, but I just have one thing to say. Okay. Uh, my, my one statement here is that had it not been for Let It Go, that movie would have been completely different. All right? That movie, that movie had a completely different narrative. And changed was as soon as they wrote and heard "Let It Go," so for you to, so I'd say that centering all on "Let It Go" is not the way that this should be um, looked at. You need to look at all the songs uh, that Frozen brings to the table, including, like you said, "Summertime," which you even admit is a bad song. So even did not say uh, bad. Even um, <laughs> the troll song, which is a filler song on the soundtrack. Uh, even the first song doesn't bring a whole lot to the narrative, the the uh, the mounting on the ice, whereas Wreck-It Ralph tells the story as you're watching the movie. It tells you what's going on. It tells you, it brings a lot of emotion and heart time to Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, so um, I never said that it was a bad song. I want to let the record okay. state. I did say it was filler, but most musicals have filler. In fact, most albums have filler. It's just a thing, is that songs are hard to write. In fact, they wrote a lot of songs for Frozen, and they narrowed it down to the ones that were featured in the movie. So I think it's fair that not all of them are as good as the others. But that just stands as a testament to how strong the ones that are in, that are, the other ones in the movie are. I don't think it's just to let it go. I don't want it to sound like I'm exclusively talking about that song. Even though it is the best song in the movie. There are other songs that are just as strong. I think there are moments in uh, Wanna Build a Snowman that are great. I think the real emotional part at the, towards the end that Anna sings is, is, is really poignant. I think, that, uh, and I think that there's enough strength in the soundtrack as a whole that it's not just about Let It Go. But let's not get away from the fact that Let It Go is a great song. And it will, it's the thing that will be this movie, one of the part of this movie's legacy when it gets that next round. You're assuming it's getting the next round. We'll see. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's our arguments. All right, Adam, this is where you come in now. Pulling, pulling, pulling. Well, you don't have to talk into the mic. Yeah, well, like, uh, we can at least hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. You can just yeah talk from there. How long do I need to speak for? Not, no time. You just basically need to pick the winner and explain why. Yeah. Why this was a very easy argument. The, the clear winner is Frozen. Um, Mike's um, anti-argument for Frozen against Frozen was that it only had one great song, but you can't really take off one song and and, and leave your whole argument based off that. Um, Wreck-It Ralph, what a very good movie, it's not doesn't have a memorable score as Mike said himself. It copies from video games 
and doesn't really stand on, on his own, the end. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair. All right. Fair. Okay, round one goes to Frozen. All right, round one goes to Frozen. Frozen moves on to the final round. Uh, who saw that coming? Uh, I did. <laughs> All right, next up. All right, next up. Wait, let me uh, mark my page here. Yep. Mark Ralph eliminated from the tournament. Yep. Next up, we have Zootopia versus Moana. All right, and you are arguing for Moana. Yes. I am arguing for Zootopia. I chose uh, Moana, so you get to open with Zootopia. Okay. All right. So, at first I was kind of worried about getting Zootopia to defend here, but then I listened to it, and I was like, oh yeah, frickin' Michael Giacchino. So, he, this is, of course, the hardest working composer in the business right now. He also is the recent winner of a lot of Academy Awards. He also did the soundtrack for Up, as a reference. So, this guy is good at what he does. And what he does is he takes a kind of the concept of the story itself and tries to riff off of the story themes into a, 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 a recurring theme that happens throughout the movie. And then he composes outward. He picks like a real quick like few note theme and then goes out. And he does this again in Zootopia to really impressive results. So, of course, the movie is opened by its one song. Um, it's technically diegetic because it is a character in the movie. Um, the Shakira-voiced antelope character. Or antelope? It's gazelle. 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 Because the name is Gazelle. Yes. Um, which is a fun song. Try Everything is a poppy, uh, poppy song. Um, but the real star, of course, is Giacchino's score. Which is a real interesting blend of how can we make this songs uh, that sound like they're from a city, an urban environment, while also being about an animals in a jungle environment. And so he uses kind of traditionally jungly sounds, like a lot of a lot of drum beats and a lot of kind of rhythm stuff with the kind of the more hustle and bustle city themes. And throughout the score, he does that balance really, really well in the, in the emotional parts and the action parts and the, and the kind of the, the scary parts. There's a lot more horror in that movie than I remembered uh, from seeing it a few times uh, that the score, the score really reminded me of. It's like, there's that, that bit really early on with the, uh, with the, uh, where it's the flashback to, uh, the lead character's childhood and the, the first attack by the wolf, uh, Giacchino really, really kicks into strings there and you can get that real punch. Fox. Fox. Wolf. Whatever. <laughs> well, wolves are the hells. None of my yeah, powers. Right. It's wolves. Yeah. It's the, All right, the go. fox. <laughs> You're a fox. Well, why, thank you. I, I didn't, know, <laughs> didn't think you noticed. All right, go. <laughs> So, uh, it's funny you bring up Michael Giacchino as the hardest working man yeah. in Composer, because on the flip side of that, for Moana, you're the hardest working man on Broadway with Lin-Manuel Miranda. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, fresh off his award-winning musical, uh, Hamilton. <laughs> Think about it. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> he comes and brings us Moana, where he even went to the Pacific Island to construct music for, for Moana. He worked with uh, a fifteen-year-old to find her pitch, to find her, to find her voice, and and bring the voice of Moana to life in this movie. Uh, he worked. He even listened to the grunts and the unts and the sounds of Dwayne the Rock Johnson 
while he was a wrestler in order to find his range to construct a song specifically for him in which we get You're Welcome, probably one of the most memorable songs on this soundtrack. Uh, not only that, but you also get Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords voicing the villain in Tomatoa in what is essentially an ode to David Bowie in, in Shiny, where he's talking about him. With a song even specifically says, specifically mentions about your outer look, about looking your best, and not worrying about what's on its inside, which is what a lot of Bowie's songs essentially um, reminisce of, especially with his character of uh, Ziggy Stardust, and with an out bringing what's inside into an outward appearance. I know you're. I know you're, I know you're doing that. Um, but uh, this movie essentially wraps around to a to what is Moana, and that is a Pacific Islander experience. You get you get the beat of the drums, you get the tones, you get the feet stomping, you get the time, you get the time, you get the tones, huh? Yes. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Okay, your rebuttal. Okay, my rebuttal. Um, well, Zootopia is. While yes, you get Shakira in, in there, uh, in the main song, and as much as I do love Michael Giacchino, I feel like all of his work just runs together. It's there's the reason he is the hardest working man, and that's because he seems to sample from a lot of himself, and just reuses it. Uh, I, I felt like he used a lot of stuff from Inside Out into this, especially. Um, in Zootopia, especially with the uh, the theme of anger and re- reminiscing that with uh, the uh, the chasing uh, at the very end while they're running through the um, the lo- li- library, the museum, the museum. Um, <laughs> it's just like with Wreck-It Ralph. There's nothing very memorable to take out of Zootopia in terms of a soundtrack. That movie was strictly for the visuals. That movie was strictly for the story. The soundtrack was so much just an afterthought of that thing that they went into it knowing it wasn't going to be a musical, knowing that it wasn't going to be anything um, anything like they've done before, uh, except for like Wreck-It Ralph, that they wanted, that, that it's... That it, the the score became an afterthought, whereas Moana, the score was up in the forefront. The score is everything in Moana, even leading up to, including the climax where Moana walks into the ocean, and and sings uh, to to the villain of, of Tomatoa, or not a Tomatoa, Kalani, uh, and just everything about Moana is powered by music. It's powered. By the orchestra, by by the music, by the vocals, by the by the drums. Time. <laughs> by the drums. It moves. Okay. Uh, so, um, so if we're comparing apples and oranges again, which we are, we are. Um, there's not a whole lot we can do to kind of just do the differentiation thing between this is a musical and this is not a musical. So what I'm going to do is here is I'm going to talk about why I think Moana is not that strong of a musical. So, oh, I did that first. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the problem. Here's some, some things that are issues with Moana. I think that consistency is a problem uh, with the soundtrack. 
I think that there are some weird tonal stuff with uh, with Moana as a character in the songs that she's singing. You have kind of the loose stru- musical structure. You have the song that, okay, this is the song that establishes the place, the song with, with the villagers. Then you have the, the want song, the how far I'll go. Then you have the, the of course, the, the, well, I guess the fun, the, the, the comic relief song, which is your welcome. And it's like, when Moana is the focus of these songs, it seems like all she's doing is talking about herself. It's just it never came across as as that she had all any weaknesses or anything that she was that she was missing. It just seemed like she was very. And this is also you could read this into a problem as Moana, with Moana as a character too. She's too perfect, and the songs remind you of that. Is it's just. Oh, well, she's going to want this and she's going to get it because I know this is a Disney movie. It's like there's no stakes in the songs. Then, of course, Dwayne Johnson, who's not that strong of a singer, uh, struggles through You're Welcome. And I think in its comic moments, it it does the Lin-Manuel rap thing, which I think is not nearly as good as what he's capable of. I think overall, the stuff that he's he's responsible for, Lin-Manuel, is not as good as and as consistent as his previous work. Got him. Oh, <laughs> yes. All right, yeah, two, two minute closings. Yes. Um, well, uh, Lindenwell did, uh, I think, his, some of his best work on Moana. I mean, you're able to take someone who's like Dwayne, jo- Dwayne Johnson, who isn't a singer, and make him able to sing uh, one of the most memorable songs. Uh, you're able to, that, that the character of Moana... Each song starts in one place, but it ends in another, and helps push the narrative forward. It helps go someplace, whether it's from wanting to escape to the ocean uh, in the in the village song, to her learning that she should be in that she should stay in the village, from from her other from later on where uh, where she's out in the water thinking that she can't do it, coming overcoming that fear throughout the song, and learning that she can uh, that she can return the heart to Tafiti. Um, this uh, that even the soundtrack uh, has been on the top Billboard top ten since it came out. It still hangs in. I mean, even this past week, some twenty weeks later, it's still number eight on the Billboard. This thing will not go away. And I think just like Frozen, you will see uh, Moana take on that musical legacy and and be um, one of the uh, top soundtracks uh, that Disney has uh, produced. Um, yeah, there, there's not much you can say about Moana without having listening to it and appreciating every every single work that they put into it. Um, going to um, the the, um, the the islands out there and and picking up and, and learning from them and trans- translating that into into their soundtrack. That uh, it's it's such an emotional feat that you can feel it with every note. And when I say with like every pulse, every beat of the drum, is that they do use a lot of drums in into this, which is very uh, tentative uh. of native culture. Okay, uh, so I think one of the issues about a musical is that the songs need to be consistent with the score and needs to be consistent with the story. Everything needs to be connected with each other. I think you have a little bit of a disconnect when you get into the kind of the comic relief stuff with "You're Welcome," with the uh, the David Bowie style "Shiny." Um, I think that it's not 
a one it's not a narrowly focused goal the the score and the soundtrack i think that it tries a lot of things as opposed to something that is more consistent and less distracting from the story that's being told I think what Zootopia does really well is that the themes, because Giacchino does the recurring themes, and no, I don't think it borrows that much from Inside Out. Having listened to both recently, um, I can tell you that there there are certain things that he just does that's his style, but I don't think it's a straight borrowing that he's doing in that final chase scene. I think that there are notes. I think there are notes of similarity, but I don't think it's the same thing. That being said, I think just the, the, the consistency that a non-musical, and I think you were getting at this a little bit in your defense of Wreck-It Ralph, is that scores are designed to un- literally underscore the action that's at hand. And I think that the consistent tone of Zootopia is, makes that a lot more enjoyable than kind of the back and forth of Moana. You're not guaranteed to like all of Moana's songs. You're not guaranteed to enjoy most of them in, in case it's all stuff that's not in a style that you're necessarily familiar with. But a score like Zootopia's is something that's kind of that that accentuates the action at hand, and I think it does a very good job of that, as well as reflecting the narrative with that kind of combination of of, of jungle and urban themes. It's a way to to combine what you're seeing on on the screen with what you're hearing in the music, and I think it does a real solid job of it. Whereas Moana's moments uh, has high moments, but it also has lower lows. Um, I don't think that Stice's yeah. Can I take your one minute and finish your thought? No. No? You can take your one minute. We're not gonna, I don't think I need my one minute. You don't need your one minute? Okay. I guess I don't either because I'm done. Alright. 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 So I guess how serious me some time. Of course the winner here is Moana. Um, being that Zootopia is a fantastic movie, Nothing in the score really presents itself as being mem- memorable going against Moana, who, as Mike said, is still on the billboard top <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Top, top 200. Yeah, that's pretty, sim- that's yeah. pretty simple. Ar- that's a pretty simple argument when you're yeah. going for a sound yeah. track. I wanted to make sure I remembered putting that in there. Well, yeah, you have to keep in mind, I have to do what I have to do. I had to defend it. I obviously am not his side Right. I'm lying through my freaking teeth. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right there. I don't actually believe in most of the things I just said. Why do you think I fell with Rucker Ralph then? <laughs> yeah. Now you know what well, you know I was going through there. I don't actually believe any of this, but I have to have an argument. Yep. But yes, no. Uh, rightfully so. Moana moves on. And rightfully so. Uh, the <laughs> best is eliminated. And Moana vs. Frozen will be uh, our final uh, for the thing. Oh, the teeth are coming out. And, and, this, and, and, and for those of you who are unaware... Third round will be the affinity slash legacy. Legacy will be the third round. Legacy, Ramily, panda, 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 panda. Okay, we need to move <laughs> on. This will never end. Oh, um, this thing will never end. Round three. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes. What do we got? Round three. Uh, we have. Moving into the nineties. We're we're gonna have a girl fight. Girl fight. Girl fight. Pocahontas versus Bulan. Okay, I'm I'm excited for this one. I'm really excited for this one because. If I, I mean, claws are gonna come out for Frozen and uh, Moana, but this is really claws are gonna come out here. Well, because this is your. I have some feelings about these two movie soundtracks. All right, you get to go first. Though. Oh yeah, I get to go first. Yeah, you won this one. You because mm-hmm. you specifically wanted Pocahontas. I sure did. Yeah, you did. Stephen Schwartz, my man. All right, 
Right. You get to go first. You get to go first. All right. So, Mulan is China is a based in China, <laughs> and soundtrack. All right, okay, all right. Seriously, the, 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 the Mulan soundtrack is probably one of the strongest uh, to hold up uh, coming coming post-Lion King. Yes, post-Lion King. I'm including Pocahontas in this. All right. Uh, as Mulan opens up with uh, one of its probably most, probably strongest openings in, in, uh, what is it? In, uh... The, on bring honor to us all, all right. It gives it brings in the strings of a Chinese dynasty. It brings in the harmony. It it brings in so much culture into that one song that you instantly recognize that this is supposed to be imperialistic China. Going off of that, you go into probably one of the strongest songs for any single woman female uh, Disney character in. In uh, in Mulan's uh, signature song, and the, and that is sung by Christina Aguilera. Not in the movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> not in the movie, but sung by Christina Aguilera, and that is, that is the reflection song. Where will my reflection show who I am inside? And that's not the actual title, but that that line right there tells you everything you need to know about Mulan, and everything the whole that her struggle, or what she wants to do, what she needs to do. Leading up to and including probably a song you can sing at any karaoke and people will sing it. And that is the in, that is when they're doing the training song, Make a Man Out of You. <laughs> Everyone I know knows that song front to back and will sing that song. All right? Time. <laughs> we'll, move on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We know that's the movie you're doing. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, so whereas Mulan um, occurred later and is kind of all over the map, but I'll get to that later. Pocahontas has what may be, in my opinion, the strongest of the Disney Renaissance soundtracks. So Alan Menken, of course, wrote the score, um, and my man Stephen Schwartz, who is now more famous probably for uh, writing and uh, composing *Wicked*, um, did the lyrics. And their pairing is probably the strongest pairing in Disney history, in my opinion. Obviously, there's there's an argument to be had there, but like I said, Sherman my brothers. opinion. Sherman brothers. My opinion. Anyways, so you have the a similar structure to your movie. You have the classic Disney uh, structure of okay, setting song, want song, uh, but the the way that the uh, uh, Pocahontas does it in, differently right from the start. Is you have two want you have two current parallel setting songs. You have the okay, who are the the these white settlers, and then who are the Native Americans, and how do we parallel their worlds to each other right from the get go? You know exactly where they stand and how to compare the two. Then you have, of course, Pocahontas's want song, which is probably the best of all of them. It takes the template presented by Little Mermaid's um, Little Mermaid's what's the name of that song? Um, Part of the part of their world, and it blows it up and makes it even better with uh, just around the river bend. It's a sweeping song. It's like way better than I even remembered it from the last time I, uh, heard, I saw that movie. It ends really well too. I think that if Schwartz is one of many uh, of his strong points, is ending a song. 
Um, but yeah, that song goes places. And then, of course, you have the Academy Award winning Color of the Wind, which is fantastic and almost even better uh, than that song. Then you have, of course, I skipped it, but you have the villain song, which is a whole lot of fun oh, and God. also more time. <laughs> <laughs> but I get to go straight to my roll, yes. which is nice. Okay, so I really don't get why Mulan is so beloved. Uh, well, Mulan's soundtrack is so beloved by our generation. I get it. Maybe it was a time thing. Maybe it, was, it came out late enough in the 90s where we were at an age where we could appreciate it more or maybe we were just absorbing things more, but it's not as good. Uh, first of all, you don't have Mencken, which is a problem. This is after he, uh, so I don't think it's as strong as the work that he did for the studio. Um, also, I think the songs are all over the map. Yeah, I think that uh, the the intro song is probably the strongest out of all of them, because I think Reflection is boring. I think Make a Man Out of You is dumb. I don't like how it's structured. I don't like um, uh, Donny Osmond's voice at all, which is also a problem that I have with Hercules. Um, I think that it's, um, boring. It's just, it's not, there's not a whole lot of interesting, I don't think it takes advantage of its setting, uh, which is something I think Pocahontas does really well, is kind of incorporating, um, the sounds of its respective worlds. Whereas Mulan, I think, like I said, I think its opener does it best, uh, which establishing, establishing its setting, the rest kind of throw it away. It doesn't need to be in... China at some point after that. It doesn't have a real climactic number. In fact, the soundtrack kind of takes a tumble um, after the first few songs. It's not a musical throughout, which I think is, is it also kind of makes it pale in comparison. It doesn't have a reprise, which is a thing that I'm a stickler about. All good musicals have reprises. Pocahontas has a reprise, and it's really awesome. Um... I think that overall, it's just not as interesting. It doesn't. It doesn't have the dynamics. It doesn't have the lyrics. I think that is just. It, it just gets outdone by why? most of its com uh, competitors. Okay, the reason why our generation sticks to Mulan more than Pocahontas is because the lyrics are simple enough to understand by everyone. You don't need complex an an analogies or allegories in your words, like. What is what even is painting with the colors of the wind? What even is up around the river bend? Okay, you don't. Mulan doesn't need all this allegory. It straight up tells you what it's trying to say. It straight up tells you that she has internal that Mulan has an internal struggle between honor and duty. It even comes back. Honor and duty even comes back in. Um, in the in the later song of uh, of, of women for war, or or, or, or who women were fighting for. Oh right, I forgot about that. One. Yeah, where where that too? Where they go through the reason people go to war because unlike your movie, they just go to war because they're angry at each other. They go to war for honor, <laughs> for peace, for for China. All right. <laughs> Whereas Pocahontas, <laughs> sorry, I'm to be, uh, downside of Pocahontas here, um, is all over the place. I think people will remember when people look back at Pocahontas and and be, being a musical, they will remember the art direction more than they'll remember the music. Okay, it's so 
ballady. It's so <laughs> slow. It's so it's so over the top and unnecessarily loud and so <laughs> unnecessarily so big on itself that it loses exactly the story it's trying to tell. That that even when you get towards the ending and sandwiches, I mean savages <laughs> that that you're basically just once again yelling at each other. That that, that they're just at all at the end it just becomes a huge Time. mess. Interesting. Okay, um, so I think what we're getting at here is that you're arguing that there's too much. That, that there's, it's too slow and it's too much. Whereas I think that all of that actually works in the movie's favor. I think that what it's doing is it's trying to do a Broadway-style soundtrack, whereas Mulan is trying to do a different kind of musical soundtrack. They're going for different things. They're going for different tones. What I think benefits Pocahontas is that it is sweeping. It is epic. I think those things are important. I think each song is an allegory. I think it's, uh, that's a well-used word there. And I think that it's a positive, not a negative, like you think. I think that I think each song is a, a compartmentalized part of the story in a way that's not just a simple, like, okay, what does this character want? It doesn't simplify things. Instead, it offers, like you said, allegories, metaphors. It uses Just Around the River Bend, which, by the way, is her rebellious spirit, her want to explore. Pocahontas is saying, what lies around where I can't see? I want to find out. Because I could go the boring way and marry Cocoam, or I could go explore and adventure and live. That's what's around the river bend. Then the colors of the wind are the spirits of her ancestors, the spirits that lives in everything. It's, it's representative of what she believes in. And also representative of the difference between the cultures. What she's trying to show John Smith is that it's not just about the riches. There's other things in her world. And she's showing them to him in a way. And she communicates through the metaphor of the colors of the wind. The spirit of her mother guiding her. The spirit in everything guiding her. That's the colors of the wind. That's how you paint with them as you live your life based on the spirits and what the spirits are telling you. There's so much. And Savages, of course, is representative of the, the reason why they're fighting, which is not just because they're angry at each other. It's because the cultures don't understand uh, each other. That was your closing. Yeah. yeah. I, I told you this. Remember that. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we're even arguing uh, Pocahontas and Brisbane because they're both... <laughs> Women central characters mm -hmm. who do use spirits or afterlife uh, to help on their journey and um, and are both uh, considered musicals. But whereas Pocahontas does take the allegory, the over the top, I guess you could call it a high road, if you want. Mulan takes the more central approach in saying that. That you don't need that. This is exactly where, where we're going. This is exactly how women should be, in in its opening of uh in its opening, to which Mulan, in her personal song of, of reflection, goes against that and leaves. And even the score is symbolizing of that with the with getting that uh thunder into it, getting the rain, and riding off and galloping to to join camp to save her father. Um, I think that. I think that Mulan's uh, training segment with uh, with uh, Make a Man Out of You 
is indicative of of so much of Mulan is so much that it's so much that it's become its own basically model and vendetta that that it's that it's become kind of a war cry essentially to like pump you up to to get people interested to get you ready to get you for battle and the every just that just the Mulan soundtrack is all about it's all about progression it's all about finding the power within you and it comes through within every single song that it presents um all uh, from reflection to um to uh, finding women we're fighting for to uh, make a man out of you. Alright? Stop snickering. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was distracted by the chicken wing VR. <laughs> chicken wing VR! Anyway. Okay, uh, now one minute. One minute. Alright, okay, so I guess in closing, um, there are very, very diff- two different approaches to the musical. And I think um, a lot of that has to have has to do with the fact this is very late in the Renaissance canon. Mulan came out in ninety eight, which was kind of past the peak, I guess you could say, of when they were really making their best material. And I think that Pocahontas is representative of that. Even though the rest of that movie may have been um, may may uh, I guess you could say. Not as fared as well in the test of time. I think the soundtrack, however, is its strongest asset. I think that for all the reasons that I've said already, I think it has its peaks and uh, uh, that are higher peaks than I think any other of its uh, of its contemporaries can reach. I think that it does a great job of telling its story with its music, which I think is something that Mulan doesn't really do very well. I think it's consistently it's consist it's consistent stylistically. I think. Um, well, I think Mulan does tell its its uh, story very well. That you can listen to its soundtrack to each song individually and know what where the character wants, where the character needs, where was each character trying to convey. Uh, specifically with Mulan, uh, as she is the main character at these different points in her life, um, whether it's trying to please her parents, please her family. And be a good uh, matchmaker to try to please herself in reflection <laughs> to trying to please her captain and her peers and trying to pass off as a man in I'll make a man out of you. It's very that each song on its own can stand each song can stand on its own because each song tells a story. But when you put them together, it tells the full story of Mulan. Our, Arching from uh, humble beginnings of, of, of just just an ordinary girl to sit the same girl oh, trying. All right, that's it. All right, that was it. It's a lot harder, wasn't it? No, it's not. Oh, it is. <laughs> this was not a fun decision for me. <laughs> Both your arguments sucked. <laughs> there was really nothing that stood out. I'm going here with Pocahontas because Matt was able to talk about the the three main individual songs with much more detail than Mike was able to do. <laughs> and I felt that would be just the winner right now. And you're right. Mulan's uh, <laughs> limited! My hit list continues. Your hit list continues throughout there. I just gotta get Lion King off this list. I'm not gonna do it, but I just got to. 
well framing that up because that is our next and final fight. Hit list. As uh, Lion King will take on Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. And uh, you will actually start off yeah. with Hunchback. Okay. <laughs> Do your best. That's all I can say. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to start with this. I don't think I don't think you realize that I don't actually hate the soundtrack. I oh, actually no, think no, it's no. great. No, I think you like the soundtrack. Uh, so, Hunchback of Notre Dame is one of the most varied and interesting soundtracks in the Disney canon. First of all, it's a return of Alan Macon and Stephen Schwartz as teammates for this one, uh, following Pocahontas. And I think it follows kind of the ideas that they that they had uh, used in Pocahontas to great effect. So Hunchback's interesting because it has what is now, I guess, probably referred to as the darkest song in the Disney animated canon, which of course is Frollo's uh, villain song, Hellfire, which goes some places. It's essentially a song in a kid's movie, may I remind you, um, about essentially about um, him wanting this basically to get uh, sexual relations with a girl, a gypsy woman who he like re- who is religiously opposed and pro- on the other polar opposite of him completely. And yet it's his desire and it's the song about him struggling with desire and re- religious and being a religious man. And it's crazy that this is in a movie of this of this kind, but it just shows and stands as a testament of how interesting the soundtrack is. First of all, then you also have the uh, some real great moments elsewhere on the soundtrack. You have, of course, Quasimodo's "Want" song "Out There," which is probably second for me, and uh, only two uh, just around the river bend in Disney "Want" songs. I think it's great. Just the places that song goes, the the the, the high, the orchestral highs that it hits. It's really great. It's there's some real great stuff in that song, and then you have even a moment of comic relief with the song the gargoyles sing, uh, which is fun. It's it's a little little fuzzy, but it's fun. Um, and I think that the the, the overall it inter it, it uses a lot of uh, sounds from uh, from traditional French music as well. Um, you get a lot of um, a lot of oh. kind of that vibe. So I completely forgot that there was a gargoyle song in there. There's a gargoyle song. Um, but you mentioned now Frollo's song is probably one of the most uh, villainous songs out there. Okay. Whereas on the opposite spectrum, I'd say Scar's song <laughs> is probably one of the most famous villain songs uh, out there in the Disney canon. Uh, as he basically lays out his plan to take over uh, Pride Rock to... Kill the king, as he literally says in the song, we're going to kill the king. La 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 la. Uh, as he explains his uh, plan to the hyenas. T- telling them to, and I quote, be prepared, as, as is the name of that song. But oh, even past that, the opening note of Lion King in itself tells you how strong this is going to be. Tells you the epic. When, it hit, when, you, when that movie first opens up with... That tells you, be prepared for epicness. Be prepared for what's essentially Macbeth. Be or yeah, it's Hamlet. It's Hamlet. <laughs> Sorry, it's Hamlet and pigs. Uh, be prepared for for an adventure that you're gonna go on with with the Lion King. Um, talking about want songs uh we have simba's want song probably one of the most famous among us 
in I just can't wait to be king. It's light, it's playful, it's funny, it's it is adored by all. Um, he even goes so far as to bring in Elton John, award-winning Elton John into this mix and compose one of the best love songs for the Disney for Disney lore in in Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Where you where you feel the where you feel that love of Nala and Simba, I mean time. There's so much about this. Okay, your rebuttal. All right. Um, yeah, rebuttal. So uh, yeah, like as I mentioned, I didn't even realize that I completely forgot that there was a Gargoyle song. <laughs> and outside of um, Frollo's uh, song, uh, Hellfire song, and uh, Quasibodo's somewhere out there. Song? <laughs> no, not somewhere out there. That's different. That's, that's, that's a different, different song. Thing. Yeah, I can't even <laughs> tell you what song it is. Okay, that, that soundtrack is completely um, goes right over me. I mean, th- there's nothing memorable outside of that one song. There's nothing captivating about it. it it's just very formulaic, if anything, that makes it just so boring that. It frankly did put me to sleep. <laughs> uh, it's not saying a whole lot. It's not for saying you. a whole lot, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, there's just nothing captiv- captivating about it. Even, even probably the big, even the big, uh, the big scene, uh, topsy turvy day for that for the album, um, just doesn't go anywhere. It just ends up being a, a bunch of noise from the chorus. That doesn't go anywhere. People just yelling again at each other. Um, there's just not a whole lot you can say for uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, sure, it does give you some reminiscence of Paris and France and tells you where you are. But then again, The Lion King gives you vast, uh, the vast uh, outlines of the savannah. In in, in in using Swahili music in its uh, in its score, in its soundtrack, and there's just nothing quite like it. It just easily trumps over anything that Hunchback of Notre Dame even tries to bring to the table. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> time. Yeah. I know it's yeah. running out soon. Okay, uh, so. I will get to the songs of Hunchback later, but first I have to uh, uh, defend against your movie. Okay, so here's my issues with Lion King. I want to get on the record here that I think Circle of Life is a great song, and it is the thing that I'm sparing here, because it's the rest of the soundtrack that I have a problem with. So you have uh, this movie opens super strong, you're right, and it's all on the strength of that song. That's a great song. The problems start as soon as the next song starts. The themes of African music that it uses so well are completely tossed out. All the songs in that movie besides Circle of Life could exist as Elton John songs (laughs) without necessarily having the trappings of its setting, of the jungle setting. You don't need the jungle setting after that. Just Can't Wait to Be King is ridiculous and it's for kids. I can't stand that song. It's not fun. It's 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 grating to me. It's not in any way as epic as that movie wants you to believe that it's open by its opening scene. 
Can You Feel the Love Tonight is freaking boring. I think it's the worst Disney song. I'm saying that right here on the record. It is the worst Disney song. I can't stand that thing. It's super boring. Be prepared. It's all right. But as a villain song, it cannot compete with the other villain songs in the canon. It's just, it's, 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 it's silly. It's just that the songs repeatedly are just outdone in the same kind of vein by other Disney animated films. It's been done better. And the problem is, 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 if this is Elton John, it's Tim Rice. There's no Alan Menken. He doesn't have the consistency of the, the, stu- the, the stuff that he did for the studio. I, I, I guess if you like Elton John, it probably works a little better for you. I'm just not that person. I just think it's not a Disney animated soundtrack. I think it has a oh. high point and then it goes downhill. Closing statement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right it does uh, open up extremely strong with Circle of Life and I think that it only gets stronger the reason le- uh, that um, can't, or can't just can't wait to be king yes it is definitely a kiss song but guess what Disney's movies are for kids <laughs> alright they're also for adults but it also we should have banned this argument <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Alright. But, okay. Just Can't Wait to Be King is exactly, it's kid, It's a kid's song, okay? And and it's meant to, to lull you into this false sense of, of everything's great. Because one, what happens right after it? <laughs> Mufasa dies. <laughs> and guess what? That score of Mufasa dying brings tears to anyone's eyes. To some people. Okay, that score. There's no words in there. It's just a hollow, chorus-like background, of 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 chance as Simba goes from being scared through that gorge to being to being helplessly helplessly lonely in in front of a dead Mufasa to being to being chased out in what's in a fast-paced chase scene. Out, run, run out of the kingdom. And lest we forget what happens right after that, this score picks you back up. It gives you hope with Akuna Matata. It's such a wonderful phrase <laughs> that it assures you that everything's going to be all right. That everything that you just saw, everything you just witnessed that could probably scar you as a kid, everything's going to be all right because this is a Disney movie. And can you feel the love tonight? brings that back. It brings back that hope. It brings back that love. It brings everything that is Disney all encompassed into one song provided uh, by Elton John. So I'm glad you reminded me of Kuna Matata because I didn't I skipped over it because I really wanted to save some time uh, for it because that's my biggest problem with the soundtrack. So Hakuna Matata is the ultimate Disney anti-lesson song. It's the song that is arguably the most memorable from the movie, and yet it's exactly the antithesis of the lesson that movie is purported to tell. Simba ends the movie learning the exact opposite of what that is purported to, the lesson that he was taught by Timon and Pumbaa. And I think Timon and Pumbaa, they kind of turn around, but overall the song being kind of canonized in Disney history is kind of defeats the entire narrative of your movie. So that's a problem, I think, in my opinion. 
Whereas the songs of Hunchback, I think, are interesting and nuanced in the way that they tell the story, in a way that the Lion Kings are not. So out there, as I mentioned, I won't go too far into it because I already kind of established. It is the one song, but it does it in, in a really sweeping way. Then, of course, you have uh, you have um, Topsy Turvy Day, which is it, it establishes the setting in a lot of ways, but also establishes the... Uh, the, the, the struggle it is to be Quasimodo and kind of the dichotomy of being Quasimodo. It's like, here's this opportunity for him to finally like go to, down to the world of people, but it's the struggle of him having to deal with the ridicule. So it sets that up in a fun way that works both as a narrative, a, a narrative a way to move the narrative forward, but also a fun song. And just something that I think is the exact opposite of what uh, Just Want to Be King does, is it doesn't move anything forward. Then you have um, you have the the uh, es- Esmer- Esmeralda uh, yeah that's her name <laughs> Esmeralda's song yes. uh, God Help the Ad- Outcast which is kind of her song that establishes her it's like oh maybe there's more to this character she does actually believe in the in the in the plight of her fellow oh, gypsies right. that was two minutes it was wow. <laughs> <laughs> damn. All right. I guess final statement. Yeah, final statements. Um, I think when you look back at both of these soundtracks, there's only be one song off the Hunchback that you're going to remember, and that's Hellfire. Also, by the way, you neglected to mention this, but out there, it's technically half of that song. It's only half. Quite a lot of parts only half that song. The first half is actually Frollo banning him. Whereas when you look at the Lion King soundtrack... Every single song is a hit. Every single song is memorable. Every single song on that thing, you want to sing. You want to sing again. If the soundtrack makes you want to go back and see that movie, it's why it's one of the highest grossing movies. It's why that soundtrack is so iconic. It's why people have lyrics of that of that of their songs on their shirts, like Akuna Matata. I just can't wait to feel to be king. Can you feel the love tonight? Those oh, are yeah. iconic songs. <laughs> I don't want that one. <laughs> okay, so I have a problem with a lot of that, but uh, uh, but I need to, to focus here. So uh, Hunchback is trying to do something a little different. I think Hunchback is in the vein of Pocahontas. It's supposed to be the a cl- closer to a Broadway score, a sweeping musical score, a la Les Misérables or Phantom of the Opera. It's not trying to. Lebezerab, of course, also originally written by Victor Hugo. Uh, and so I think that you have a very different kind of goal it's set out to do. It does the sweeping musical better than Lion King does. Lion King is all over the map with its songs, even some songs that are canonized that maybe shouldn't be. Um, and I think that it's, it comes across as, to, to kind of turn what you had said, not only an album of, quote, hits, unquote, but more like a pop album. It's a pop album of songs. And um, it's just not the same thing, and I think it doesn't, and thus I don't think the, str- the soundtrack uh, is weaker because of it. Fine. There it is. Okay. Right. What do we got? There. Oh, this is an easy one. Lion King is a clear winner here. Um, I didn't really make any arguments saying why um, Hunchback was better. Just really talked about the songs and didn't really what makes him better over Lion King. Lion King has like a hundred classic songs. Hundred? Like, <laughs> so you're not really, really going to go against that and 
when you're talking about songs in the soundtrack and the, um, the score. It's iconic, Matt. Get over it. Shouldn't be. Alright, <laughs> moving. So, Lion King moves on. Lion King moves on. Unfortunately. Uh, my hit list is incomplete. But there's still more to be played. Well, that's okay. Like, uh, uh, so that means that Lion King and Pocahontas will go up in the third round. I guess yeah, they are. As they probably rightfully should. Yes. So, next round, of course, uh, will be Legacy. But before we get there... There's a whole another set of movies we have to do. Yes. But that'll be for the next podcast. We need to narrow this down to another... Uh, before we do that, let's recap week. our winners here. Yes. Uh, recapping our winners, we have Frozen somehow beating Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> and Moana somehow narrowly escaping Zootopia. <laughs> and then uh, we have the upset, which is Pocahontas beating Mulan and the clear winner, that is Lion King beating Hunchback and Notre Dame. Okay, and what do we have next next time? Next time on Disney Mania Tournament. Get the old crap. Yeah. Oh, well, we get the claws here. Yeah. We get uh, oh. Aladdin versus Little Mermaid. Damn. Sleeping Beauty versus The Fox and the Hound. Okay. <laughs> so that's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Well. Bambi versus Sleeping Beauty. And Pinocchio tall. versus Snow White. <laughs> that girl's either really tall or they're really short. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Pinocchio vs. Snow White was that last one. Um, you can catch uh, those matchups uh, with our next podcast whenever that goes up. Our, our next to determine, or if it's up right, if it's up already, you can uh, tune in and capture that uh, right now. Bye. Bye.